0: When a foreign person is found to be engaged in U.S. trade or business, there's this limited force of attraction that comes in to treat all other type of active income or income that is not within what's been specified on here to be ECI. You are listening to U.S. Tax, a podcast for Australian accountants with U.S. clients.
1: update 20 of US tax about section 882 and 864 of the Internal Revenue Code. This is Heide Robson. One more time. Let's look at 882 and 864 one more time. Maybe for you, The penny already dropped in the last two episodes with Brian Kelly in Los Angeles. I still had some big light bulb moments in this episode talking with Alex O'Wari of OG Accounting in Lakewood, Colorado. You might already know Alex O'Wari from YouTube where he does a popular US Tax Masterclass.
0: Before I start off, let me just say that um, international taxes can be very complicated And I must put out a disclaimer out there that, you know, if at any point in time anyone has a tax issue, they should consult an attorney. And this is not supposed to be a legal advice or tax advice in any form or shape. This is my opinion. So section 11 starts with talking about how a corporation is taxed, right? So it kind of sets the tone for corporations and how it's being taxed. So anyone reading this will probably think, okay, well, it talks about a corporation, but does it really talk about a foreign corporation or a domestic corporation? So when you continue reading further, it tells you that in the case of a foreign corporation, the tax imposed by subsection A shall apply only as provided by section 882. So that means that when you're reading section 11, you should not only focus on section 11. Now, the tax code is actually pointing you to go to Section 882 to deal with foreign corporations. So for a foreign corporation, your analysis should start from Section 882 and whatever it says.
1: Exactly. And the problem I have is that 882 is only about ECI at the start. And it says a foreign corporation engaged in a trade or business within the United States shall be taxable only on its effectively connected income. So the question is, is a foreign corporation only taxed on ECI? So not on Fedep or anything else, or how does this work? Because the confusing thing is then also that in 8A2B, there is talk of income that is not effectively connected.
0: Yeah, that's correct. What you're saying is correct. But then when you read section 8A2A1, it actually says that a foreign corporation engaged in trade or business Within the United States, during the taxable year, shall be taxable as provided in Section 11 of 59A on its taxable income that's um, effectively connected. So this it does not really limit it to only effectively connected income. It says shall be, right? So when you go to other codes, other codes will talk about the fact that a foreign corporation would also be taxed on FIDAP, which is the fixed determinable annual, those type of passive incomes. So there are two ways. And I think that when we talk about section 882, we are kind of reinventing the wheel. There's been so many case laws and how things are being interpreted, right? And we know that without even struggling too much with the code, we know that foreign persons or foreign corporations are taxed on two types of income, which is income that is not effectively connected to the U.S. trade or business, meaning that those kind of passive and portfolio incomes could be taxable. And then also active income, which is income that is effectively connected to U.S. trade or business. So these are the two types of income that a foreign person or foreign corporation will be taxed on.
1: But not all non-ECI income is FDEP. You can have income that is neither ECI nor FDEP. And I give you one example. The sale of inventory that was purchased overseas is U.S. sourced. And if you don't have a U.S. trade or business, then it's not ECI. But of course, the sale of inventory is also not FDEP. So in that case, you have U.S. sourced income that is neither FDEP nor ECI. So aren't there three buckets then? One bucket for ECI, one bucket for FDEP. And one bucket for U.S. sourced other income?
0: Yeah, this is like the greatest confusion that's out there. So when it comes to, because when I started, I said that income, foreign persons are taxed on two types of income. And that is income that is not effectively connected and income that is effectively connected. So you could still have a U.S. source income, right? That is active. It is active income. When you talk about things like sales of inventory and services, they fall into what we call active income, okay? So, you would have a situation where inventory is purchased from outside, but entitled passes in the U.S. Yes, it is U.S. source income, but within the classification of what type of income it is, it does not fall into FIDAP. It falls into active income. So that's where we need to figure out where is the active business taking place at, right? So the person that's selling the inventory may be engaged in active business, but as to whether that person is engaged in active business in the US, that's a question that needs to be answered. So anyone that sells, if you're selling inventory, if you're providing services, you are in active business. But the next step of the question or the inquiry is, where is the active business taking place?
1: Yes, and so if the um, owner's are in Australia, but the uh, distribution center is in the States. My understanding is that just using a distribution center does not establish a US trade or business, and hence the active business is in Australia. Do you agree?
0: Not quite. It depends on who owns the warehouse or distribution center, right?
1: Yeah, it would be an independent third party. So it would be Amazon or another 3PL service. Yeah, I mean, and this is
0: my opinion, and there's so many varied opinions over there. You know, that people get confused as to whether Amazon creates, you know, um, a permanent establishment or physical establishment. And based on my own opinion, I don't see Amazon as a company that creates physical presence for Amazon sellers. Amazon is an independent agent. This is what it's in the business for. Amazon serves so many millions of sellers all over the world. They are not exclusively working for any of their sellers. This is what they do. They they have employees that package ship and do all of that. So in terms of um, federal taxes, using an independent agent whose business relies on so many does not create effectively connected income. It does not create that U.S. trade or business. And don't get me wrong, you could have an agent that is independent, but if that agent turns out to be exclusively working for you, and that agent could create that kind of um, a physical presence for you to be engaged in U.S. trade or business.
1: Yes, but if there's nothing else, just the 3PL, then you don't have a physical presence in the U.S., you don't have a fixed place of business or office, how it is worded, I think, in 864 or so, it's talking of office or fixed place of business. You don't have any of that, and hence you would not have a U.S. trade or business, and hence you would not have ECI, in this scenario, and you would also not have FDEP, correct? You have active income. You do have active income, but but as to whether the
0: active business is taking place in the US, that's a question that is lingering, right? In cases where you have the 3PL, the Amazon FBA, and all of that, and if that's the only thing you do, yes, we get it that title passes in the US, it's a US source income, but there's an extra layer which is, is this U.S. source income effectively connected to a U.S. trade or business? And if if it is, then it's taxable unless there's a treaty that comes in to negate the taxes. If it's not, then it's not taxable. Then we fall back to where the active business is taking place at, right? So as I have stated, using independent agents really does not create U.S. trade or business unless that independent agent is very exclusive There are classification of agents. You could have an independent agent who basically does not rely on just one source income stream. And then you could have an an exclusive independent agent who basically relies on what you do to make money, right? So if you fall into a situation where you hired one person in the U.S. and that person, the only thing this person is doing is working for you in the U.S. and does not have any other clients. Then that person is causing you, may cause you to have a physical presence because that person is doing what you were not able to do if you were not here. So the analysis, you know, becomes very complicated. And even the definition of U.S. trade or business is not has not been defined in the code. It's basically case laws that basically reviews all the facts and circumstances that determine whether a person is engaged in US trade or business.
1: When somebody sells inventory into the US that has been purchased, they do have active income, they do have income that is US sourced, but because a 3PL doesn't establish a physical presence and is independent for that reason, they don't have a US trade or business, so they don't have ECI and So coming back to that, if it's not ECI and it's not FIDAP, then it is not taxable in the U.S., you are saying, because Section 882 only covers ECI. And then I think it's Section 881 that covers FIDAP. So we are basically just having those two buckets you you just mentioned. We have U.S.-sourced FIDAP and we have ECI. And anything that falls outside of these buckets is not taxable in the US.
0: Right, right. I mean, if you, when we started, I said that the income is grouped into two, right? So if you have FIDEP, and FIDEP is usually for people that don't know what FIDEP is, it's rent, dividend, royalties, and all of those type of income. Interest. Right. And active business is like performing services, performance of services, and sales of inventories. So those are the two categories. So if you have, FIDEP, it's subject to 30% withholding unless an exception or a treaty applies that can reduce it or reduce it to zero or maybe less. And then um, when you have active income, as long as you continue, you are engaged in U.S. trade or business, then the Section 11 for foreign corporation, the Section 11 rate applies to you, which is a 21%. And you could also be looking at things like branch profit tax, which is a quasi, it it seems like a shadow, the way dividends work with domestic corporation, they kind of, the branch profit taxes kind of puts foreign corporation at the same footing as a domestic corporation, because you understand that when you have a, a foreign person that owns a domestic corporation and they take dividend out, taxes would be withheld. So the branch profit tax, also creates its own structure like it's a domestic corporation where you actually have to figure out whether you have US assets or certain type of income is being repatriated and you pay the dividend equivalent of that branch profit tax. So it's kind of put the US domestic companies and foreign companies on the same footing when it comes to that. But that's not the point we're trying to get into it right now because branch profit tax can be very complicated. But what we're saying is Section 11 deals with income. So for U.S. corporation, Section 11 basically lamps everything up. So it doesn't matter whether you have passive income or active income, it's all taxed at the same rate, right? But for foreign corporations, the reason why it refers them to 882 is it wants them to focus on the effectively connected income. Because if it's not effectively connected, you cannot take deductions on it. If it's not effectively connected, then it becomes a passive income. And for passive income and those FDAP, they don't attract deductions. So we just tax you on the gross. But if it's effectively connected income, then you take your deductions and then you pay taxes on the net. So a foreign corporation pays 21% taxes, same as a domestic corporation pays on its active income.
1: But why does Section 11 only refer to 882 and not to 881? Because I think 881 covers FIDAP, correct?
0: Okay, so yeah. 881 basically talks about FIDAP. So it says, accept us in subsection C that is hereby imposed it starts We a tax of 30% on the amount received from sources within. So this talks about, it talks about FIDAP.
1: Alex, in the heading, it talks about income that is not connected with the United States. So that would include our active income that is not ECI. But then in all the paragraphs, it only talks about FIDEP. There's no talk of anything else but FIDAP. There are some references to real estate transactions, but there's no talk of selling inventory, for example. So that means our sale of inventory wouldn't really fall under 881 either. But the question is basically, why does Section 11 only refer to 882 and not to 881 either? Because the foreign corporation would be paying tax on Fedep, wouldn't it? So why does Section 11 say a foreign corporation only pays tax on ECI when it actually would also pay tax on FIDEP? One answer could be that in 882B, it does mention non-ECI income. Connected. Well, so
0: first of all, and I'm, I wouldn't say I know your answer to be positive about it, but what I think Section 11 is referring to when it refers you know, readers to Section 882 is that when you look at it, it says a tax is hereby imposed on the taxable income of every corporation. Now, what is a taxable income? You arrive at taxable income by taking your gross income and backing out your deduction, you get your taxable income, okay? For foreign corporations, you cannot lump all of your incomes together and take deductions. You cannot do that. You have to separate your income into two portions, okay? So you have the FIDAP, and then you have active. For FIDAP, you cannot take deductions, okay? For active income, you could take deductions that is perfectly related to that active income. So I think that this is where... You g- want foreign corporations to be aware that you just cannot lump all of your income together and take deductions. You have to separate them out.
1: Yes, Alex, I think that is the answer. So section 11 only talks about taxable income. And taxable income, of course, is gross income minus deduction. And hence, it only refers to ECI because only ECI can claim deductions. And hence, there's only the reference to 882. But then, of course, putting taxable income aside, of course, then you have other income that is basically gross income without deductions. And that's then where 881 comes in. For FIDAP, because for FIDAP, you don't have deductions.
0: Right. Unless one of the exceptions to FIDAP is rentals. For example, if you own rental properties.
1: Then you can make an election yeah, to be a have US Yeah, you election
0: 871D. So you could take, uh, I think for individuals it's 871D, for corporations it's 882D, I think. And that's what you use to take that election, to be able to take your deductions related to the rentals. Otherwise, you will be taxed on the thirty percent on the gross of that rental.
1: Yes, so the the two buckets we have look basically like this. The first bucket is section eleven, referring to eight a two, and that just covers ECI. And then the other bucket we have. Is Section eight eight one. It has nothing to do with Section eleven. Eight eight one is separate from Section eleven because Section eleven only talks about taxable income, and since FDEP doesn't have deductions, it's not relevant for us. So the second bucket is only about Section eight eight one for foreign corporations, which covers FDEP. And so this way, it makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, and then also, and like everything, there is exception, right? You could have, you could have a FDEP that could be considered as effectively connected. I mean, with FIDAP, most foreign persons are going to pay 30% withholding on it, unless there's a treaty or there's an exception. But then you have to also look at Section 8.6.4 that talks about the fact that certain types of passive income could be seen as effectively connected when we use the asset use test and the material test and all, all of that. So let me pull up section 864 real quick.
1: So can you say again what section number it is? Eight, oh yeah, 864, yes.
0: Yeah, section 864, hold on.
1: Yeah, yeah, 864. That is the uh, section that has all the definitions in it.
0: Right, right. So section 864 basically deals, deals heavily with ECIs. Yes,
1: subsection C.
0: Yeah, when you look at section 2, Usually, you know, investing in, in securities or commodities will fall into those feed up. But then some of the exception is when it becomes um, effectively connected when some of the factors. So let, let me see what, what this talks about. Yeah. So for example, if you're a dealer in um, securities or you are we apply the asset use test and the material, you know, all those stuff. Can cause you to be, you know, engage in U.S. trade or business or have effectively connected income. So that there is some exceptions that uh, falls into the uh, F.D.A.P. category, but then it's not relevant for this discussion because most people, you know, with F.D.A.P. income will be subject to that thirty percent or the treaty rate.
1: I'm glad you mentioned eight six four because I wanted to point two things out to you that confuse me, and they are that in eight six four C one it says that if a company is not engaged in a trade or business, then they won't have ECI. So if you have no US trade or business, then you have no ECI. So that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. But then in 864C3, it says that a foreign corporation, for foreign-sourced income, it can only have ECI if it has an office or fixed place of business. So that also makes sense. You know, if you don't have an office or fixed place of business in the U.S. and the income is foreign sourced, then it won't count as ECI. So ECI is only either U.S. sourced or it's foreign sourced with a fixed place of business. So that makes sense as well.
0: I I look at your question, which is a Section 864C3, and you said all income gain or loss from sources within, but it looks like you were missing the point that, so this Section 864C3, is what is popularly called the force of limited attraction, okay? So it basically says that when a foreign person is found to be engaged in U.S. trade or business, there's this limited force of attraction that comes in to treat all other type of income, all other type of active income, or income that is not within what's been specified on here to be ECI. So for example, if you happen to have let's say you perform services here in the U.S. physically, right? And we know that when you travel here to perform services, it's considered as being engaged in U.S. trade or business, basically. And then you, apart from the services, you also sell inventories. Now, because you are engaged in U.S. trade or business through the performance of services, the limited force of attraction has also been applied to your sale of inventory for it to be also ECI. The ACES for C3 is just the limited force of attraction.
1: Yeah, and it makes sense. So if you have a U.S. trade or business, then all active income is ECI. You can't go in and they actually, this is ECI and this is not ECI. You can't go As in long fund- as it
0: is, it is It is not FDAP and it's, it's a U.S. source income, then that limited force of attraction attracts that U.S. source income to the ECI. But if it's FDAP, then we need to follow the laws on the FDAP.
1: So if you have a US trade or business, then it pulls everything in that is US sourced and is not FDAP.
0: That's correct. Anything in that's not FDAP. As you can see, when you look at section A64C3, let me see what the C3 says. All other income other than gain or losses to which paragraph 2 applies.
1: Yeah, paragraph 2 is about real estate, etc. So it won't apply to us.
0: So even before A63C kicks in, One has to be engaged in US trade or business. And and as we've stated, US trade or business is a very complicated analysis that we cannot sit here on this podcast and say, this person has US trade or business, this person does. At any point in time, taxpayers need to consult a tax attorney or a CPA who understand how these things work to be able to figure out whether they engage in US trade or business or not because it's not even defined in the code. It's only the courts that can interpret what is U.S. trade or business. And one interesting thing is there is these um, IRS determination letters and revenue rulings that, you know, you could send a letter to the IRS to figure out before you file your tax return, you want to know what you're taking a position, whether it's correct or not. Being engaged in U.S. trade or business is one of those categories that the IRS will never rule in advance. They will not tell you whether your facts and circumstances show that you are engaged in US trade or business so that analysis is a very complicated one so people should not just be relying on podcasts and stuff like that to determine you know to make their own conclusion at any point in time you need to seek a one-on-one consultation with someone that understand the cross border taxation and how all of this works
1: term limited force of attraction that would make a good movie title limited force of attraction maybe a sequel to the accountant but putting hollywood aside the limited force of attraction rule in section 864 c3 says that if you have a u.s trade or business then all u.s sourced income is ECI In the next update, update U.S. 21, let's talk with Alex Owari about Forms 1065, so the U.S. Partnership Tax Return, the form multi-member LLCs have to file, and also about Form 5472. Until then, thank you for listening. Bye for now and see you in the next update.